Well, it's good to be here this morning, and I hope each of you all have been encouraged already. Um, what I have to share this morning kind of goes along with what Linford shared. I'd like to start off with a question, though, this morning. And that question is, well, I'd like a response. I'd like you to raise your hand. And the question is a variation or something similar to, why is God allowing this to happen to me? Have any of y'all ever asked that question or something similar to that? Raise your hand if you have. So a lot of y'all have, and if you haven't, there's a good chance that you probably will at some point. Um, life is not perfect. We don't live in a perfect world, and because of sin, we have suffering and pain in our lives. God didn't promise to take it all away. He promised to be with us through it all. So this morning, I'm going to look at a story, and I'm going to try something a little bit different that I don't normally do. I'm going to try to go through a story and pull some things out of it. I'm going to look at a story that um, is a time when Israel is transitioning between the period of the judges and the period of kingdoms, or kings, or monarchy, whatever you want to call it. And this is the time frame between Joshua and King Saul. It was a very um, political upheaval, a lot of social chaos. There was not much um, structure to what, how they were living at that time. Um, it says in Judges 17, verse 6, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. This story begins with an ordinary family. And... It was around 1050 B.C., and you can turn to 1 Samuel, chapter 1, and we're going to look at the story of Hannah. Now, Hannah is not the main character here necessarily, or the only character, I should say, but we are going to focus on her this morning. <clears throat> we're going to read the first 20 verses. Pardon my voice this morning. I've been having a rough time with it all week, so hopefully it lasts First Samuel, chapter 1, 1 through 20. Now there was a certain man of Ramathim, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts of Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her arrival also provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was, year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? 
And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she said, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, and remember me, and, for, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put away, put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew, his, knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass... In the process of time, the Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. So I was um, looking at this story some, and I have listened to a few things about this story, and some of my thoughts will come from that. But there's a lot we can learn from this story, I think, in looking at the life of Hannah and what she's going through. And I want to title this message this morning, When We Don't Understand Why. I think sooner or later we're going to face times in our lives when we just don't understand why. Why is this happening? And so looking here at the story, we'll start at the beginning, and we'll work our way back down through it. So the first couple verses here, we'll start at verse 2 says that he had, Elkanah had two wives. And now we might say, well, that's where he messed up, right? Because that uh, obviously caused him problems. Now, we'll get into that a little bit later, but Hannah, I think it's safe to assume that was probably his first wife. Uh, we could speculate and say that maybe he married them both at the same time. Um, it doesn't really specify. But being she's listed first here in the scripture, it would seem that it was her, it was that she was his uh, first wife. And then, since he didn't have any children with Hannah, he married Penina. Um, like I said, it doesn't specify that completely, but that's the way it seems like it could have been. And as we know in those days, if you didn't have an heir to carry on your name, it was a big problem. And they fixed that problem by marrying another wife. 
And since Elkanah had married another wife, we can, I think, safely assume again that he had some wealth. He was probably a wealthy man. He would go up yearly. He would offer sacrifices. Um, and he had multiple wives. He was probably somewhat wealthy. And we see here, assuming that he married Penina to, carry, to have children so he could carry on his name, that he was trying to fix his own problem, um, so to speak. And at times, I think we are the same way. We will try to fix our own problems and not allow God to fix our problems for us. God had a plan, as we will later see. So this man, Elkanah, he would go up year by year. He says he would go up year by year. Say that with me, year by year. So this was going on for, for a while. He would go up year by year. And he would sacrifice to the Lord of hosts. And he would go up there with his whole family. He would take everyone along. And you maybe heard that time is the healer. Time will heal everything, right? Time will heal. Well, in this case, it wasn't doing that. It was making things worse for Hannah, at least. And there's times when it may be that way for you as well or for us. It was making it more painful for Hannah more miserable, year by year, every year, it got worse and worse. And maybe you can uh, think of something, you know, if only, maybe fill in the blank, things would be all better. And then verse 4 says that Elk, Hannah sacrificed, when he sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. So it makes sense that she had multiple children by now, and at least two, says sons and daughters, so it's at least one of each, maybe multiple of each. And his offering was most likely a peace offering of some sort. And with a peace offering, part of it would be offered, obviously burnt, and then part of it would be given to the priests, and part of it they would eat themselves. You can read about that in Leviticus 7. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion. And that's interesting to note. He was trying to be nice. Um, he gave her a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. He still loved her. And well, back up just a little bit. When he married Penina, he got two things. One, he got one thing he wanted, and that was children. The other thing he got, he didn't want, and that was tension and discord in his house. They didn't get along, and it created a lot of conflict. So when he would give this double portion to Hannah, and here again, this is speculation, it possibly could have been the most favored part even of the animal, which would have been the head. And so if he was giving her the most favored part, the double portion of that possibly, of the most favored part, how do you think that made Penina feel? Probably not very good. And so she would see this happening, and she would obviously 
feel like Elkanah loved Hannah more than her, which was probably accurate. And because of that, she would provoke Hannah. It says that she would provoke Hannah. In verse 6, she'd provoke her grievously to irritate her. So maybe it went something like this. Hannah, why do you have to thank God for? You have nothing. How are you going to eat a double portion with no children to help you? The Bible says she didn't eat at all, but she maybe was teasing her about that. You are a failure because you have no children. Look at all my children. They're going to carry on Elkanah's name. And we don't know how it all went, but maybe it was something like that and just made her feel all the worse. So here we see again that Elkanah was trying to be nice. He was trying to show Hannah that he loved her by giving her this double portion. But in turn, it didn't work out very well made it worse for her because then she got um, provoked by Penina. And maybe you've had experiences like that where someone has tried to make things better for you. They'll say something, they'll do something, and it doesn't help. In fact, it makes it worse. I'm sure we've had experiences like that. So we know a little bit of how Hannah's feeling at this point, probably. <clears throat> so down to verse 6. It says that Harabah used to provoke her grievously and irritating her because the Lord had closed her womb. And so because the Lord had closed her womb, she had to endure all of this. And... Notice that it says here, it's mentioned twice, that the Lord has closed her womb. It wasn't just some for coincidence or whatever. The Lord had closed her womb. And we can't see, or we know, we, we can read it, but Hannah couldn't see God's plan for this. She looked at it, and she didn't know. But because God had closed her womb, it would cause her to draw closer to God through all this pain, through all this misery, through all this um, ridicule from her other, other person there with her, Penina. She would draw closer to God through all this. So when we have something difficult in our lives, how do we view it? Uh, we don't usually understand why it's difficult. We aren't going to understand um, maybe why we have to go through it. And that's what Hannah was going through year after year. Not just six months, not two weeks, year after year. And we need to remember that God has a divine plan for us even if we don't understand it. And it might not be something we're going to find out in this life even. It might be something we find out in eternity once we get to heaven. But he does have a divine plan. <clears throat> in verse 7, 
So it was year by year. Say it again with me, year by year. When she went up to the house of the Lord, that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. So by now, Hannah is probably feeling hopeless, helpless, and like this is just, there's just no hope. And maybe there's times when we feel like that. There probably has been times. But this is preparing Hannah, or us, you could put your name in here, for her to see what God is going to do, this pain, this, everything she's going through, this hopelessness, is preparing her to see what God is going to do, what he's been doing for his people from throughout all of history before this. Hannah knows about all this, and we know all about this. We can read back, we can see what God has done through history, and... It's preparing her to see that and have that done to her. God is going to reach into her life, what we would see as a normal life, and change her life and history forever because of that. And they didn't know this. We know it. We can read the story. So maybe you're here this morning, and you're wondering where you fit into the big scheme of things. Hannah obviously fit into the big scheme of things. We read the story. and Or maybe you don't believe there is a big scheme of things. Hopefully you do. But Hannah was not like that. She, did, she believed there was a God. Um, she believed that he was a creator. He created people and all these things, I think. And I think we can see that here in verse... Um, Not laying my eyes on it right at this time. But she believes in God because if she hadn't believed in God, she never would have went to him in the first place to ask of God. Who would have she went to to ask her questions? And why would have she even went to God in the first place if she didn't believe in God? So she obviously believed in God enough to go to him and ask for help. Otherwise, it would have been hopeless for her. And I was just struck by by that fact that it's such a blessing that we have that connection with God, that we can go to God, and we can connect with God, and we can ask questions. We can cry out to him for help. And we can get help, and we can... um, He'll be there for us, and he'll walk with us through those difficult times. So then verse 8, Elkanah tries to help again. And he says, Hannah, why are you weeping? Don't you think he knows? He's like, why are you weeping, and why are you not eating? Why is your heart sad? He says, am I not more to you than ten sons? And (laughs) I had to to chuckle a little bit here. Um, He didn't quite get it, I don't think. He was trying to help. And 
I don't know about y'all, man, but sometimes I don't get it either. My wife could probably tell you. Um, <laughs> maybe there's some wives here that know how Hannah felt a little bit. I don't know. Sometimes us men try to help, and we just don't get it. But he should have said something more to the effect of, instead of saying, am I not more to you than ten sons, he should have said something like, you are more to me than ten sons, or something of that nature. Um, so he doesn't quite get it. So she can't go to Elkanah with her, with her uh, questions or her, for her answers because he's not getting it. And so then we see here in verse 9 that after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose, um, and she went to the temple of the Lord. And Eli was there. And she left Elkanah, she left Penina and all the children. She left everyone behind. That's giving her grief at this point. And she went to God, to the temple, to the one that she believes in. And at this point, I'd like to turn to Psalms 73 just briefly. You can just listen if you like or turn there. It doesn't matter. Psalm 73, and she had, I think, an experience similar to what the psalmist is describing here. Psalm 73, the very first verse says, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet have almost stumbled, my steps are nearly slipped, for I was envious and boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So he's like, God is good to Israel and such that are pure in heart. But for me, he's like, psalmist here is like, I'm basically envious of the wicked. The wicked are not in trouble as other men. They are not plagued like other men. Um, somewhere it says that they are rich. You should read the chapter sometime. Verse 16, then it says, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. I think that's how Hannah felt. She couldn't understand it. She did, she's like, it just it hurts. But then in verse 17, she's, it says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. And I was talking about the wicked there, but Hannah here, when she goes into the sanctuary of God, that is where she eventually finds relief. And she understands better um, maybe why she's going through some of these things or how to deal with them maybe. So it says in verse 10 that she was deeply distressed. She prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And it might be easy to think that at this point she's ready just to get revenge on Penina and... Um, Maybe she's angry at God, she's bitter, um, you know, Elkanah doesn't understand her, she's angry at him, and she's just, it just is not going well for her, so she's weeping bitterly, but I don't think she is resentful toward God, and I don't think she is trying to get revenge on Penina or Elkanah here. She is rather bringing her troubles the presence of God, and she didn't pray and her tears quit, 
but rather she wept all the more. And we will have circumstances in our lives um, of some sort of similarity to this, some point in life most likely. And it's important, like Hannah, that we don't get bitter at God and blame him or other people um, for these things that happen. In verse, seven, or verse 11, it says that she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will go to your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. So this is referring to the Nazarite vow here. But instead of focusing on that, I'd like to focus on this vow that she's making. Um, I don't think she's making a promise and saying, God, if you do this, then I will do this. Or I will promise this so that you help me. I don't think that's what she's trying to do here. I think all that she's saying is, God, you are sovereign. You are in control. You know what I'm going through. You understand. And you know the future. I think that's what she's saying instead of trying to make a deal with God. She just says, I mean, she says here in verse 11, she says, calls herself the Lord's servant. She says, I'm your servant, and I have this affliction. I have this terrible um, thing I'm going through. You could put your name in there. And She's asking God to do to her what he has done to his people in the past throughout history to take care of her. And she knows these things from history, and I think that's probably what gives her the courage. And she goes to God, and that's what encourages her to go to God and ask of God. And God answers her prayer. And she, what she doesn't know, that is because God answers her prayer, that God is going to do vastly beyond what she could imagine or even think, like way beyond her comprehending this. He's going to do for her what he's been doing for his people throughout history. And it's a pretty incredible story. <clears throat> and so going back to that question I asked at the beginning, have you ever asked the question, why is this happening to me? And I know I have before, and I think it's safe to assume that Hannah probably asked this question too. Why is this happening to me? Why? Why? And the answer is not really in this. You know, it's not like, why is this happening to me? It's not in the me. It's not in, it's not in all that stuff. Um, but it's rather in the ways of God. If we focus on God's ways... That's where the answer is. And God's ways are beyond our ability to understand at times. And many times we don't know, like I was saying earlier, until we get to heaven, we aren't going to know what, what all that means or how to understand that completely. But history is proof that God takes care of his people. We can look back on history, and he does take care of his people. And we need to trust God 
and know that he knows best for us and trust him that he knows best for us through those times. So she continues praying before Eli, or before the Lord, rather, and Eli is watching from a distance. And it says that she's speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved. No voice was heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And he asked her, how long will you be drunk? He's like, put your wine away. Quit drinking. He's like, this is not, you shouldn't be here. And Eli completely misses the point as well. And he should be in tune with God and, you know, what's going on. And he should be in tune. And he's a priest. And um, he misses it. He accuses her of being a worthless drunk that should leave or whatever. And, you know, he's like, he's not helping at all. I think something we can learn from this is that other people are going to let us down at times too. We can't count on other people to carry us through these hard times. They definitely help. And if we have a brotherhood like this, it's a huge blessing. And we can help each other. But it's not going to be the only thing that's going to carry us through. God is the only one that can do that. And sometimes it's people that we really look up to or admire. It might be your best friend or someone else. And those sometimes are the people that will let us down or that will um, leave us, discourage us, or accuse us of things. I have to think of Job and his friends. Um, there's always plenty of Job's friends around, it seems like. Um, but sometimes the people we admire most are the ones that let us down. So then she has to explain to Eli that she's not a worthless woman and that she's not drunk. And... Um, then we move on. We see that her conversation with her that, with Eli there in verse 15 and 16. She says, for all along she's been speaking out of her great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answers and he says, go in peace. God of Israel, grant your petition that you've made to him. And then in verse 27, I didn't read that verse, but we see there that the Lord has answered her prayer, and Hannah is not giving credit to anyone but to God. I'm just going to read that verse quick here. It says, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. And she's giving credit to God. And then she says to Eli, she says, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then Hannah left. She went her way. She ate, which she hasn't done for a long time, at least while they were doing offerings, and her face was no longer sad. And she had went to God, and she'd asked God, and she has no proof yet that God has answered her prayer. But still, her countenance has changed. Her appetite has returned, and her countenance has changed. She's a different person, you could say. And it seems that the way um, this is written, um, Hannah's resolution in, in all of this is not in the fact that, um, her resolution is not in the fact of getting pregnant or um, that she, once the child gets here, she's going to give him back to the Lord. But rather, 
Um, I'll look up this verse quick. First Peter chapter five, verses six and seven. She had a uh, what I call a First Peter chapter five, verses six and seven experience. <laughs> it says, "Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you." That's what she was doing. And because of that, she was able to experience this changed countenance and this new person, basically, uh, because she cast all her cares on the Lord and humbled herself before the Lord. And it will change your countenance as well, not just Hannah's. So a question here. Can you thank God for testing you? even though you don't know the why? When you answer yes like Hannah, you'll be filled, I think, with peace and a lot of other things. But um, I think I experienced that a little bit when I was getting ready for surgery. I was not into having surgery. Did not want to have surgery, and it's kind of scary, and you know they stick needles in you and stuff. And I, I didn't really want to go have surgery, and I was, I did not, uh, how would you say it? I was basically scared. I mean, I, 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 didn't want, I didn't want to have surgery, right? So I started praying about it, and I finally got to the point where I just turned it over to God and let him have it. And it wasn't until then that I actually had peace about surgery. And I really wasn't that scared about it anymore. And I, I was just amazed by that. And I probably won't forget that too soon. Um, and I'm sure y'all have had experiences like that before. Um, y'all could probably share experiences like that. God gives us peace when we go to him. If we try to do it on our own, it doesn't work. I had to think of a song. I was thinking of a song this week. I'm going to read it. I was going to lead it, but I don't think my voice will let me. So I'm just going to read it. And it's in our little blue books here. It's called Thank You for the Valley. Thank you for the valley I walked through today. The darker the valley, the more I learned to pray. I thank you for the lilies that were blooming by the way. So I thank you for the valley I walked through today. Life can't be all sunshine or the flowers would die. The rivers would be desert, all barren and dry. Life can't be all blessings or there'd be no need to pray. So I thank you for the valley I walk through today. And the chorus goes, thank you for every hill I climbed, for every time the sun didn't shine. Thank you for every lonely night. I prayed until I knew that everything was all right. Thank you for the valley I walked through today. That's sometimes hard to do. So in closing here, I'd like to read the last two verses Verse 19 says, They arose early in the morning, and that would include Hannah, and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel and said, I have asked for him from the Lord. And I was just blessed by this story as I was studying by it. We go through hard times. 
We need to go to God for help through those times instead of trusting on ourselves or relying on ourselves for strength through that. If you haven't gone through hard times, you probably will. And we need to rely on God. Thank you.